This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty. Who would have thought that Saquon Barkley would march into camp on time? We weren't. We were thinking he wasn't going to show up at all the camp. He's back with the team, and and ultimately, as a fan, isn't that really the bottom line for you? That he's back. Yeah, you might want him to get more money. Yeah, you, you know, maybe you want him to get more years or anything like that. You're happy because he's in camp, he's ready to go, and now his teammates do not have to sit and answer questions every day. What he does next year, what he does with another contract, what he does as far as what he's going to do moving forward for representation, what happens to the running back position, all that doesn't mean a thing for Giant fans right now. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. For those of you on hold, hang out with me for a second. Time for me. We have company. Time for me to welcome in my good friend, Leger Ducible. Does a fantastic job as a CBS NFL analyst. Leger, Larry Hardesty in the Big Apple. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Larry. How have you been? I've been great. By the way, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, the engagement pictures on on social media. Very nice job. Nice. Oh, job. I'm actually married now. Oh married, boy! Married Look at pictures. that. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Leger, Um This morning, when the news broke, and you found out Saquon Barkley went in, what did you think? What in the world <laughs> happened in that Zoom meeting? First and foremost, is what I was thinking because. You know, there was, I don't want to say an outcry, but um, a lot of running backs coming out talking and, and showing their displeasure for how the quote-unquote running back market is being treated, right? And I think the last thing people expected after having that Zoom, and I, I think there was always a kind of a prelude to it, right? Because Nick Chubb kind of came out, and when he had his media availability, he said there's not much we could do, right? It's frustrating, but there's not much we could do. But I think the last thing that we thought we would see was Saquon Barkley not only show up for camp, but sign a one-year deal where essentially he's going to make the franchise tag number because if you look at the incentives that equal right under $910,000, um, it's going to be impossible for him to hit those incentives. Let's just be honest, right? Because if – you look at the rushing numbers, you have to put up over 1,300 yards, which he did last year. We've already seen the maturation of Daniel Jones in this offense, and if you look at the last eight weeks of the season, more specifically the last seven weeks of the season, Saquon Barkley only had 100-yard rushing game, right? His numbers were almost cut in half as far as touches per game compared to the first half of the season. In the playoff game, Larry, right, they chose to use Daniel Jones's legs more than Saquon. He had more rushing attempts than Saquon did. So you can kind of see the maturation of how Brian Dable has envisioned this offense to be quarterback-driven. It's kind of like he was using Daniel Jones the same way he used Josh Allen in Buffalo. So it doesn't mm-hmm. bode well for Saquon to potentially have the same touches he had last year. Now I think another benchmark was 11 touchdowns and then like 65 receptions, which he didn't hit last year. But all of that is tied to the team making the playoffs. So no matter what, even if he hits all those benchmarks, Larry – the team still has to get into the playoffs for him to, to receive that almost a million dollars. So, essentially, he signed a franchise tag. I mean, the only difference is he gets about $2 million of his dollars early, right? He gets it, I believe, August 10th. That's the only difference. You're going to get that money regardless because it's the franchise tag. You're going to see every penny of that uh, uh, once you showed up and signed that deal this year. So, I, I think it was a head-scratcher. 
I mean, Giant fans are ecstatic, obviously, right? You kind of feel for him, but it's like, who was representing you, dude? Like, I don't know if you they overestimated what the market was going to be for you or you didn't listen to them and overestimated, but I was on CBS Sports saying weeks ago, if they offer him 22 in the first two years with a chance to make 13 and or 13 and a half million dollars with incentives, he needs to run and sign that deal because the market's not going to get any better a year from now. You're going to be a year older. And if you get as many touches as you get this year, you're talking about close to 300 touches. You're going to be worn down even more. So the market's not going to improve for you. So it was a bit of a head scratcher there when, when that news broke this morning. I know it was for me, Leger. And the thing that really jumps out when you look at this, as you mentioned with the incentives, if anything, you're not going to get a multi-year deal next year because you know what they're going to say? Man, he met all those things. That means he's going to be – there's another year off his career. He's not going to be around for three mm-hmm. years and give us that same production. We're going to have to take a year off for him. Yeah, and what they have in their back pocket is they can franchise tag him again. I was right. surprised that you know Saquon Barkley's team didn't try to put that into the negotiations that if he signs this deal that he can't get franchise tag next year. But obviously – for the Giants, that was never on the table. I mean, it kind of reminded you of the, the slogan from Burger King. The Giants had it their way. <laughs> Have it your way. That's literally what happened with the New York Giants. Everything they wanted to happen happened in regards to getting Saquon Barkley into camp. Now the players don't have to answer questions about it, right? The coach doesn't have to answer questions about it. He's already in the fold. So I was a bit surprised because I honestly thought he could have signed that same exact deal but not showed up to camp and showed up like a week before training camp ended to make sure his body was ready to go when week uh, week one hits. Because what people don't understand is usually it's literally about two weeks uh, from the last preseason game until you play your first regular season game. And as a veteran in the NFL, literally most guys that play at least have played at least four years in the league, they only need about two, two and a half weeks to get ready for the season. So, mm-hmm. I was surprised, again, that he signed this deal and was there for the start of training camp, especially after, you know, them having that quote-unquote, you know, call-to-arms Zoom meeting with the running back. Yeah. It was a head-scratcher again. Well, Lejay, what what can be done? I mean, obviously, the NFL is not going to change anything because they're happy with the way sure. running backs are being treated right now. But if you're a running back, what what, what I hate to say, what are your options? Because you really don't have many. Yeah, that's, and that's why I was screaming at the top of my lungs when he when he was offered, you know, potentially, and we don't know how truthful this is, you know, 11 a year, 22 uh-huh. in the first two years get, uh, guaranteed and with the potential to, to, to earn up to 13, 13 and a half. I mean, this is where the game is going. It's backed by committee. And, again, Larry, people are only up in arms about this because this is like the first time it's affected an offensive position. I mean, for the longest, defensive tackles were devalued mm. compared to what their counterparts' defensive ends were making. It wasn't until recently, and more so this year, where defensive tackles started getting money closer to the defensive ends. When you look at guys like Quentin Williams, Deron Payne, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, before that, I mean, defensive tackles used to be happy when they were making eight mil, while defensive ends were making sixteen, seventeen, eighteen million dollars. But that lets you know where the game is going, right? Mm-hmm. Defensive tackles have always been synonymous of good run stoppers, but now there's athletic defensive tackles that can rush and get to the quarterback. So that changes up the game. I mean, guards, they for the longest have not been paid as much as offensive tackles. And you can ask any quarterback, the thing that scares them is that up-the-middle pressure, right? So now we're starting to see guards get paid. We saw Chris Lindstrom 
He's making $20 million a year as a guard. That has never happened before. But they were undervalued for the longest. Inside linebackers are still undervalued right now, and nobody's making a hoopla about it. Safeties for the longest. I remember, I think it was 2018, where Tyron Matthew had to take a one-year deal because they weren't paying safeties. They were devaluing safeties. I think, Larry, that people are up in arms about it because it's affecting the offensive side, right? Mm-hmm. And we know that's what writes the check. Like, viewers come in to see touchdowns, to see running backs run long runs. But for the longest, defensive players have been devalued in certain positions. So, again, I don't know why everybody's up in arms about it. I think it's because it's the first time it's actually happened to an offensive uh, player on that side of the ball. Yeah, and I also think it's a number of running backs that you're seeing, right? Like Jacobs led the league in rushing. He's walked out of camp. Uh, Dalvin Dalvin Cook, not cut from Minnesota. Uh, You know, uh, Ezekiel has been out the league now for a while. So I think you're looking at the running backs and you're saying, hey, you know, what happened to this guy? And and here's the thing, Ezekiel gets cut and his backup Pollock gets a franchise tag. So it's like you're looking at this and you're like, what is going on here now? Well, you got to look at it as a whole, right? And, and I did some research on this, Larry. I brought this up on, on uh, CBS Sports Spot, HQ Spotlight the other day. Um, in the last 10 Super Bowl winners, right, if you look at the teams that won, I want, I'm going to ask you this question, Larry, see if you can guess the answer. How many of those teams on the offensive side of the ball was the running back the number one or number two option <laughs> no. in the last 10 Super Bowl winners? Maybe one. Maybe. So you're ahead of the curve, right? I asked that question on air the other day. Most people were saying, too. No, let's run down the list of the last 10 champions, right? You look at the Patriots three times and then Brady one time in Tampa Bay, right? You got Patrick Mahomes twice. You got Matt Stafford, right? You got uh, the Denver Broncos. And the last team where you could maybe say that, the Seattle Seahawks in Mm -hmm. 2013, which was 10 years ago. That lets you know the trajectory of the league, and people will will rebut that by saying, well, you know, if you look at six of those Super Bowls, they were won by ridiculous quarterback play. And that's what the league is going to. So when people get bad about what Daniel Jones got compared to what Saquon Barkley got, if you don't have a quarterback in this this league, in this this day and age, you have no chance, Larry. Yeah. No chance at all. So that's teams true. are going to continue to throw money at the quarterback position because they're hoping that their quarterback can get them over the edge. And I think Daniel Jones – We'll take another step in the second year in this Brian Daybill offense, right? So people are saying, well, we'll see what Daniel Jones is this year. I think he's going to be even better than he was last year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was well, he ran for seven, over 700 yards, had a positive touchdown-interception ratio, didn't turn the ball over. That was his biggest thing, right? He kept turning the ball over. Right. Brian Daybill, just like he coasted out of Josh Allen, he coasted out of Daniel Jones. And I think Daniel Jones will take another step this year. Lejay Doosable is my guest. This is Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Leger, let's stay with the Giants now. Obviously, what do you what do you see from them? Because yeah, in theory, now that you're freeing up Daniel Jones, got him some weapons, mm-hmm. he can move the ball down the field. Does that increase the likelihood of turnovers now from a defensive side? What are you looking for when you face them then? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first and foremost, we got to look at their schedule, though, Larry. I mean, yeah. it's a gauntlet to start the first six yep. games. I mean, they have games against the Cowboys, 49ers, Seahawks, Dolphins. And Bills. I think the other game is the Cardinals. So they start off with a gauntlet. And if you're Daniel Jones, it's all about taking that next progressive step and not turning the ball over, right? We saw, like I was saying, the last seven games of the season, them try to run the offense through more through Daniel Jones. You know, Ryan Dable made it really easy for him. 
easy reads, crossing pattern uh, patterns with uh, Slayton and also Isaiah Hodgins. Now they have Darren Waller. If he can be healthy, there's nothing like having a good tight end. That's a quarterback's best friend over the middle and down the seams. Darren Waller has been one of the best receiving tight ends when healthy in the league. If he can stay healthy, that adds another dynamic to this offense, right? And then, of course, you still have Saquon Barkley in the backfield. Got to catch the ball out of the backfield, but also is very explosive running the ball. And I think this offensive line takes another step. I know Evan Neal struggled last mm-hmm. year, but Andrew Thomas struggled his first year. And we saw his growth in year two. And now he's one of the best offensive tackles in football. I love the John Michael Smith pick. He was my favorite inside interior offensive lineman in this year's draft. Larry, this dude blocks through the echo of the whistle, right? And if you're around that pile, good luck. He's putting you in the dirt. So I think this Giants team, I think they're going to have a regression just because the schedule is that much harder. And I think a team in that division, and nobody's talking about the commanders, I think they're significantly better too. Really? I believe Sam Howe is going to actually have a pretty good year. Yeah, if, if you look at their playmakers, if you look at their playmakers on the outside, you would have to say – their playmakers are up there with anybody else in the NFC East, right? They have a three-headed monster at receiver with Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dawson, and then Curtis Samuel. Like, those those dudes are legit ballers, right? And I love their, you know, we talk about back-by-committee. Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson, they make a really good back-by-committee, a, a two-headed monster in the backfield. So, I really love what we saw from Sam Howell in Week 18 versus the Cowboys because a lot of people forget that Week 18 matchup, the Cowboys still had a chance to win the NFC East if the Eagles lost to the Giants, right? So they were playing for something in that game. They didn't know if the Eagles were going to win that game or not. And Sam Howell went out there and took it to them with nothing, you know, nothing to lose, and they weren't going to the playoffs. He went out there, showed grit. He showed some guts. And when he needed to, you know, be athletic and use his legs, he did that on third down and picked up first down. So I think the commanders, they're always, you know, aggressive on defense, right? They have – all first-rounders on the defensive line. And I think getting Emmanuel Forbes, who is a very opportunistic corner, really helps that defense as well. I think the commanders are going to surprise a lot of people. So I think the Giants will take a regression step just because mm-hmm. the division, I think, is a little bit better. But also, that, that gauntlet they start the season with, Larry, is just yeah. ugly. Speaking of a gauntlet to start the season, your former team has one, too, in the Jets. Uh, give yeah, me your thoughts sure. about <laughs> how important getting off to a, a – a decent start is for that team when you've got, you know, the pressure of hard knocks watching you. People's talking about Super Bowl. You know, you got Aaron Rodgers there, great defense, Super Bowl type defense, all the different things. Yeah, and, and we talked about the Giants having a goal. I believe three out of the first four games for the Jets are the Cowboys, Chiefs, and Bills, if I'm not mistaken. So uh the Jets, the, the first eight games is is rough. If they can finish four and four the back half looks really good for them, right, and, and down this stretch. So it's all about A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers getting that continuity on offense. And I think the good thing um, that's different from this year compared to previous years is that he was there the whole offseason. He was building that rapport with Gary Wilson. He was out in the New York streets with his teammates building that camaraderie. It's good to know that he already has two weapons that he's very familiar with and Randall Cobb and, and – also, Alan Lazard. So they're already going to have nice continuity. Now it's about just getting everybody else on the same page with different hand signals. And I've been seeing some clips from camp. Seems like Aaron Rodgers is calling the offense on the field, and he'll switch things up, audible. And it seems like for early stages of camp that guys are on the same page. Now there is some mishits here and there, but that's expected this early in camp, right? So I think, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, and people say he had a quote-unquote down year. His down year is most – 
quarterback's career year, right? I mean, this guy almost threw for 3,700 yards, 26 touchdowns, and he did throw for 12 interceptions. But you have to look at the history and Roger and say that's probably never going to happen again, right? He never turns the ball over, just like ever, right? The last time he was motivated and pissed off was when the Packers drafted, not only drafted, traded up to get Jordan Love. You know what he went out and did, Larry? 48 touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a pissed off, thoroughly, you know, motivated Aaron Rodgers, and that has to bode well for for the New York Jets. Last thing from me, Leger, rank this defense for me. How good can they be? How good do they have to be? Because for me, even though the great offense, the, the, the identity of this Jet team is their defense. Oh, without a doubt. You're talking about a top five defense, and to be more specific, they were ranked number four in defense last year. And that's saying something, Larry, when you practically got no help from the offense last year. I mean, it was a quarterback carousel with Zach Wilson. Mike White played well in spurts, but then he got hurt. I mean, four different quarterbacks took snaps for the Jets last year, just to put that into perspective for you. And this team still finished as a top four defense. So, I mean, getting everybody mostly back on that defense. Now, the interior defensive line, there's a few changes. Nathan Shepard's gone and also Sheldon Rankins. But I like what they did bringing in Al Woods and Quentin Jefferson as well. As Quentin Jefferson is a guy, is a war daddy. He's going to get after it in the pass rush as well. You know he can slide John Franklin Myers inside just on third downs. He's one of the best run-stopping defensive ends in all football. And it's just a depth of the defensive line, right? They're going to come at you in waves, Larry. They added even another piece, right, to already deep defensive line when they took Will McDonald in the first round. And everybody watch out for Jermaine Johnson. I've been hearing great things out of camp. I've talked to this dude all offseason. He's highly motivated. Let's not forget, in the beginning of the season last year, he was taken off until he had that foot-slash-ankle injury kind of slowed him down. But he started off the season really well. I look for him to take a major step in in this defense this year. And he played about 30% uh, of the snaps. I, I look for that number to be around 40 45% of the snaps this year. This defense is going to be great, and it's led by C.J. Mosley, who who has never gotten the, the true respect that is deserving of him. He's a consummate pro, always in the right place, always getting everybody lined up. We know the two dogs they got in corner and Sauce Garner and D.J. Reed. Now they can just solidify that safety position. Jordan Whitehead could take a step. And Tony Adams is a guy that people mm. need to watch out for. Undrafted free agent, played a lot towards the back half of the year, has a real shot of starting opposite of Jordan Whitehead. And we, they did sign Adrian Amos late after, you know, the the the, the Chuck, um, Frank Chuck. Uh, I don't know why I'm having a brain fart right now. Um, <laughs> I know after Chuck about. got hurt. Yeah. Uh, after Chuck got hurt. So he, he'll be an added person. That who's been a consummate pro, who's also a very sure tackler. But Tony Adams is a guy that this coaching staff really likes. He played really well down the stretch last year. He has the potential to start in the opposite of Jordan Whitehead. So this defense can be dominant, right? And now you think they're going to be even better with an offense that can stay on the field. So, you know, you talk about potentially having a league in the fourth quarter, Larry, and letting those pass rushers go. Mm. It could be a beautiful thing for the New York Jets this year. No question about it. Leger, thanks for dropping the knowledge, my friend. You always do. You always come strong. I appreciate you. Appreciate it, Larry. All right, we'll talk soon. Leger Doosable, CBS NFL analyst, stopping by here on 98.7 ESPN. We'll get your thoughts on what he had to say next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Mets with a 4-0 lead over the Yankees. As the Yankees come to bat, Pete Alonso with a big home run in that game for the Mets, but it's early. Mets fans know. 
get to our bullpen. Can can Verlander get past six? That's the question. Can Verlander get past six? That's what the Met fan is wondering. Is that possible? We'll see. Brian's in Newark. What's up, Brian? What's good, brother? I'm good, man. What's happening? Chilling, man. So, first of all, Leger was actually very – he was on point about um, what was his commentary on on Saquon um, in terms of, um, you know, who, who's been in his ear all of these years, right? So, I'm not a Giants fan. I'm a Jets fan. But my brother's a big Giants fan. And I remember mm-hmm. years ago – I said to my brother, I was like, look, bro, if I was Saquon, and I like Saquon. I knew he was a stud when they drafted him. He just, you know, he jumps off the screen, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, if I was, I always said, if I was Saquon, year two, and forgive me, I don't remember when the injuries, what season that was, whether it was second or his third. Um, but I, I said to my brother, I said, I, I wouldn't play another down for the Giants until he, I renegotiated my contract. He was drafted into a situation where there was no offensive line help. Yeah. And he's taking all of that punishment. Like, David Gettleman, and I hated him as the GM for the Giants at the time, but, you know, it was a great take from a talent perspective, but it wasn't right. David, mm-hmm. he should never have been taking that, man. No, and, and it's a shame. It's a shame. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me, too, like, what at what point can – the NFL rookies negotiate before their time expires on their contract because I don't think he should have he should have been another down because he got some new money before the season. I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Brian. Thanks for the phone call. They they can't do it until they get in, you know, and they're really they're they're almost slotted in the sense about how much they can make or a certain amount. Uh, they're kind of slotted, but once again with him, number two, I mean. You can't pay him what he's worth at the number two spot. You know, and I get why they did it at the time. They wanted to add another piece for Eli Manning. That was the thought process. You know, Eli was great at the at the you know, the the um the play action. This was his strength. He was, you know, winding down. Maybe we can get another chance, another shot at a, a Super Bowl. We give him some help, give him a running back that can be more effective on the ground. He can run, he can pass, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Here's a guy that, you know, is going to be really, really good. So let's see what we can do with him and, uh, you know, add him to the, the situation with the offense and help and, and help out, uh, you know, Eli Manning. And when you take a running back that high, that's why you normally don't because you, you're put in a position where you have to pay him. And right now the way the league is slotted, you know, it's very simple what they do. They they Get, get a third round pick or the fourth round pick, and they'll run them together. And there goes your, there goes your leverage right out the door. Derrick Henry is the guy right now. He's really when you think about it, he's the only guy that's the solo running back of an offense. It's his offense. Everybody else is really running back by committee, and that's why it's hard for them to get paid. More of your calls are next on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Mike is in Jersey. Mike, you're next on 98. How you doing, Larry? What's up, Mike? Uh, intro, mu- intro music is the best. But uh, I want to ask you these questions, right? Yeah. So uh, think about, is there any pullback position right now? Right? No. Nope. So, But I'm a 49er fan. 
So in a sense, there is right college. Well, yeah, because you have right. Debo Samuel. He gets he gets paid what is, they call it the Joker position in a sense, right? So yeah. He's not really a fullback in a sense. Think about this. So I think what running backs should do, and you just said it earlier too, like Derrick Henry's probably the last of like a legit, you know, maybe Nick Chubb, right? But mm-hmm. you just said it too. Nick Chubb had a counterpart with Kareem Hunt. So I think they have to in their contracts. They got to be like, hey, look, remember Jimmy Graham too when he negotiated his contract? Hey, I lined yeah. it up in the slot. I wasn't a tight end. So I think what needs to happen with these running backs, instead of being I'm a running back, I'm a flash. I'm a hybrid. I'm a, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I think yeah. maybe that will change the contracts. But I think that's the best way to go. Because at the end of the day, like, I think it's collusion in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, you exactly. No one needs a running back. But in a sense, you do, you know? Like, you need that. You need that guy in the backfield. But you do. Everyone, everyone in the league knows that we're not paying them. So why? Mm-hmm. It's almost like, hey, I know I can get Larry to go on my radio show for nothing. Why am I going to pay someone else? You know? It's true. So, anyway, Larry, love your show. I appreciate you taking my call, brother. All right, Mike. Thanks for checking in. It's true. And I don't know. Maybe I really don't know what the the, the running backs are going to do. I really don't. I mean, that's, a, that's an interesting option that you have. But ultimately, you're going to go by what, what they did in college. So maybe you have a collegiate program where they are, you know, maybe they slot you a little bit where you're, you line up in the backfield some, but they put you in the slot a little bit as a running back and you, you know, maybe you, you know, you're used different ways. So maybe that's the situation that you have. Maybe that's an out for you, but otherwise, I mean, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't see what else, I don't see what else a running back can do. I don't see what options they have. Peter Alonso is going deep again. Five nothing Mets as they bat in the top of the sixth. Ken's in Jersey. Ken, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry. Good evening. How are you? I'm doing good, Ken. What's happening? That's great. Yeah, I think the the point that you just made was was good. Was a good a good point as well as the, the last caller. But you know, all due respect to Leger, um, you know, Daniel Jones is is no. Um, Patrick Mahomes or no Tom Brady or even Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty hard fact that, you know, a, a good rushing game or at least a threat of one opens up uh, the passing game and, and the overall offense. So, but, I, you know, I have a question. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, with this deal that just happened with, with Saquon and the Giants, I mean, I think it's kind of convoluted. I, I don't. I think people are confusing it a little bit. Um, the way I look at it, uh, the way that it's structured, I think both the Giants and Saquon got essentially what they wanted, at least for one year. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, he he signed the tag, ten point one, and he got nine hundred thousand. Uh, you know, in options, which. Contrary to what uh, one, I guess it was discussed earlier, I think uh, – well, actually, Lachey said it. I think that, you know, those um, are not far out of his reach. I, I mean, I think that those are within what he can do and what he's done. And I think Saquon is only getting better right now after a full year back, getting stronger. So, I mean, it's not too far from what he did last year, you know, all of the benchmarks that he has to meet. Um, I think that he can, you know, he'll, he'll reach those. Uh, to get to, you know, to make that to 11, 11 million. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 
uh, the two million dollars is a signing bonus. So yeah. you know that's 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 outside of the cap, and I think that's where the that's Giants part wanted of it. to be. It's part of it. He's just getting is two it, million of the ten of the million cap? early. Yeah, he's getting two million of the ten oh. million. Yeah, it's not it's not outside of it. It's two million. He's getting it early. Okay. And well, thanks for the call, Ken. He's getting it early, uh, as opposed to waiting. Okay, so he gets two million up front. So he'll get it in August. Uh, that's his two million, but it's still it's not two million plus the ten. It's two two million of the ten, and the nine hundred. It's doable, but see, here's the issue, Ken, is that in theory, if you're telling me that Waller is going to be more involved in the offense, and you're telling me that Hodgkins and the other receivers are going to be more involved in the offense, and Daniel Jones is going to use his legs in the offense the way he did mostly in the second half, then I don't know that Saquon Barkley is going to reach those incentives because it's really about uh, his how, how the plays are going to be called. So in theory, yeah, if they used him the way they used him last season, yeah, there's a possibility he could reach all of them. But I don't think they want to use him that way. They really want, and I think Leger made a great point, they really started to turn that offense over more to Daniel Jones near the second half of the season. That's why you didn't see the amount of, of uh, you know, touches for Saquon that you saw early. They leaned on Saquon early to get Daniel Jones familiar with what they wanted to do with that offense. And after he got familiar with it, they're like, you know what? Let it go. Let's see what else he can do. Let's see what else he can do. I mean, you look at his stats in that playoff win over Minnesota. You know, it, it, it wasn't like it was early in the season, I'll tell you that. Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? Hey, good evening, Larry. Shout out to the company. Um, you're having a terrific show as usual, and I just, I just want, um, you know, I, I've just been hearing a lot of the, you know, state, you know, the Saquon Barkley news and everything, and I was just like, man, even though I, you know, he, you know, according to sources, he may have messed up on the negotiations, but you know, I got, I, I you know, I. I Take that with a grain of salt. Salt when you know I hear quotation mark sources, uh-huh. but um, you know if you if 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 I lived in a world where people told where my boss paid me two million dollars wired it to my account just for me to come on you know time for professional development meetings you know why not sure yeah <laughs> but um you know I'm just you know joking around as you know and yeah. you know and for all the you know and I know Le'Veon Bell set the horrible president of sitting out a year and signing with the wrong team. But, you know, and he, he's been going on podcasts, you know, you know, in Steeler market saying how much he regrets it. But you know what? You know, that, that, that $27 million he made out with the Jets as a bandit, you know, I don't think he's going to give that back, is he? No. <laughs> so, nope. Nope. so, you know what's hilarious? Like, you know, he, he sat out the whole year. And mm-hmm. still got $27 million guaranteed, which was Something. more, which was more, which was more offered than, you know, the what was on the deal for, Sa- for apparently for Saquon, which I, which I find hilarious. So, you know, when it comes to Le'Veon Bell and, you know, Saquon, it looks like Le'Veon Bell won in that situation. But we'll yeah. see, you know, how this turns out, because I hope they don't, you know, beat him like a government mule. Like, I really don't, because... Mm. That's going to be a real – I don't want to see 300 carries. Like, if, you know, 
their hope is Brian Dayball, you know, to improve Dan- Daniel Jones because Dan- they can see the similarities to Josh Allen. I hope, you know, that happens with the better weapons. But until then, uh, I'm very skeptical with the Giants situation. As far as, you know, the Jets with the, you know, with what's going on with the Jets lately, I'm just, you know, I'm a little concerned with, you know, with, you know, the still the offensive line, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but we'll see, you know, how this how, how this goes because I, I do believe that a lot of the bad offensive line was more on the quarterback, you know, not not not, not finding the right wide receiver. So yeah. we'll see how that works out. And holding on to the ball a long time. But you know what, Jose? Thanks for the phone call. Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers can Thank hold you. on to it a little bit as well. Aaron Rodgers don't exactly let it go quickly all the time, too. He likes to stand back there and hang around with it until the receiver gets open. So that's something the Jet offensive line is going to have to remember and deal with as well. And listen, Jose, you should be concerned about the offensive line. That's really the biggest question on this team. Okay, yeah, you know, you got your house all scoring. They're going to react second year. What's up with Gary Wilson? Will he be able to make the adjustments? You know, Corey Davis, how much of a role will he have? Uh, you know, uh, Connor Rogers, who was a guest here last night, indicated that one of the reasons he thinks he's still there is because of he's one of his one of the best blockers downfield. So you've got a tall receiver who blocks well. Yeah, there might be a place for him uh, on this team. So there, there's a lot of question marks that you have about it. But the biggest, the one, if you're a Jet fan, you're really, really concerned about what's going on with that offensive line. Can the offensive line hold up? And keep Aaron Rodgers upright. Because if he goes down, oh, gosh. I'm going to have to try to get a degree in psychology to, to deal to help the Jet fans through it this year. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Mohammed's in Long Island. What's up, Mohammed? You're next on 98.7. What's going on, Larry, man? You know, I love listening to you, man. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it, Muhammad. What you got for me, my friend? All right, man. So I got two points. I see we talking Saquon and Jets. One, with Saquon. Did the team and the general manager just haggle with Saquon or, or incentivize him for a few more hundred thousand dollars? This is business. So I know we don't, we can't, but these owners and general managers say how much they love their players and they like family to them. But I understand it's a business, so we can leave the love out of it. But is this is this respect? Could I, if I was Saquon, could I take this as they respect me? And my second point I wanted to bring up was with the AFC being such the gauntlet that it is. Mm. Larry, what is your realistic expectations for the Jets? I mean, we got your Buffaloes, your you know Cincinnati, Kansas City, Miami, your, you know San Diego, uh, LA. You got your teams out there in the AFC. So tell me, what do you realistically expect for the New York Jets? Thanks for taking my call again, man. All right, Mohammed. Thanks for checking in. Um, I realistically expect the Jets to make the postseason. That's my realistic expectations. And depending on where they fall and what their record is and whatnot and who they end up facing in the postseason, you know, we'll get to that point and then we'll go from there. But I do think that if they can minimize their injuries to key personnel, and the offensive line can be consistent. I think they're a playoff team. I think they are. Now, the caveat to that, Muhammad, is they have to get off to a decent start. 
okay, they have to. They can't be uh, three and five in the first eight games or two and six or something. I mean, they, they can't. They can't. That, that's a killer. They can't. I mean, you know, Doosable, Leger Doosable, who was our guest earlier in the hour, indicated, you know, if they could go four and four in their first eight, I mean, it's going to be tough. I think four and four is minimal, five and three, something of that nature. I even think four and four is tough for them because of the expectations that is for this team. I mean, it's a lot of pressure on this team. It's a lot of pressure on the head coach. Okay, Robert Sala is under a lot of heat here, ladies and gentlemen. Because even if this doesn't work out, he's gone. It's over. Because that means he will not have made the postseason in his, in three years here. How are you going to give him a fourth year? And the third year, you got Aaron Rodgers? Now, unless you're telling me that there was a catastrophic injury and it just, you know, torpedoed the whole season, okay, maybe, maybe. But under normal circumstances, and you have a losing season, with that caliber of quarterback and everything you did to to make him comfortable and all the moves you made to bring him in and all the acquisitions, oh, a lot of pressure on this Jet team. So I think they'll make the playoffs, and once they get to the playoffs, who knows where they go? Who knows where they go? Richardson, Manhattan. What's up, Richard? Larry. Yes, sir. Can you imagine the hand that Saquon Barkley is going to get when he steps onto the field at Giants Stadium for the first game, I think oh, he's going to great. get an un, like a 10-minute standing ovation. It's great. He's like the anti-hero now, anti-hero. Yep. Yep. Uh, he's got the, the Giant fans will never, ever boo this guy ever again. I think, that's an, I think it, what he did was fantastic. And I've never seen an athlete do what he did. And if he just keeps up his good spirits, doesn't badmouth anybody or any situation, or especially don't badmouth the Giants he's not as unjustly as he's been treated, I think I think it's going to be a great thing. I think he's going to be the winner at the end. I really mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I think it's a great thing. I've, have you ever seen it in sports? I haven't seen anything like no, this. No, not like this. <laughs> you know? Like nope. you put it so eloquently last night for a couple of million. I mean, you put a, you put a point last night that I thought was good. Just for the continuity, forget about the guy being a good guy, mm-hmm. a face of the franchise, you know, getting screwed around because of the way. All right, some of it is not the Giants' fault because right. I really believe it's the NFL saying, yes. we don't Agreed. care about the running game anymore. We, we're not interested. We want the high school. But just what the guy is doing, he, he's endeared himself to Giant fans. I mean, mm-hmm. he was already. So I, I really think in a funny way this is going to really work out for him. I don't see him losing. I really don't see this guy losing at all on this. You know, I really don't. I think, I, I think it's great. I really do. I, I, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to him, the reaction of the Giant fans, and I think it's going to be great. I, you know, I, I really do. I think it's great in, in all aspects, everything. Larry, always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, Richard, thanks for checking in. There's no question about it. He comes out the winner here, publicity-wise, <laughs> for the fans. He comes out the winner. Because no fan expected that he would be in the, in camp. None, none, no, 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 no giant fan. None. Okay, none. 
and respect. See, that's why you really have to have an agent. And this goes back to Muhammad's thought. That's why you really have to have an agent, Muhammad, because things are said in those meetings where, oh, we love you. Oh, you're one of our guys. We want you to be a forever player. We want you to retire your number here. We want you to only play for us, all this stuff. But when we start talking about money and negotiations, well, you know, he did miss 22 games. <laughs> he has missed 22 games, you know. Uh, we ran him in one game, and, you know, he had a bunch of carries, and in the game following that, he wasn't good. He wasn't as uh, explosive. He looked like he lost a step. So, you know, listen, if it was left up to me, but I, you know, that's how it goes. That's how they do it. Okay, that's how they do it. So, you know, you know going in. You understand going in what this is about. And especially if you're running back, you know you're not going to get what you're worth. You know it. You know. You know. And I still, I've spoken to a lot of folks. I've had a bunch of people on the air talking about it. I've spoken to a number of, of, of folks off the air about it. And nobody has an answer for how the running backs are going to get more respect. Just not. This is going to be a situation where they're going to continually be underpaid. Continually. Because of the situation they're in. You know, it's 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 sad. It's rough. It's rough. And I once again, I get it. You give me the Super Bowl numbers and we don't need the soup we don't need the running back to be a great, you know, to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I understand. I do. Do I do I expect them to be compensated the way you compensate quarterbacks? Absolutely not. Of course not. Obviously not. But nevertheless, it should be a little better. And once again, if it's true that the Giants offered him a guaranteed two-year, $23 million contract, and he turned it down last week and settled for this this week, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. That, 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 that's a tough one. You really have to look at your, uh, you really have to look at your representation and say, okay, what are we doing? Okay, what are we doing? And I guess he felt, or they felt, that they would get another offer. Maybe they wanted, maybe that's where we're hearing the two million, right? So maybe we're hearing that he was trying to get two more million dollars, guaranteed. In that deal. Which would have made it a little, you know, to him, that's what he wanted. That's what he was trying to get. But you have to understand and read the room. <laughs> and running backs just aren't making that type kind of money right now. They just aren't. And the other question, what happens with the other running backs? What do they do now? What does Jacobs do in in Vegas? Is he coming back? Is he going to still hold out? What is Dalvin Cook going to end up signing for and where? The questions continue. It's really tough, ladies and gentlemen, when you have 
very little leverage and very little ways to gain leverage in a negotiating situation. We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty.